Ephesians 6, 11 says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Got a question for you. What the heck? I mean, I thought this book was supposed to be like nice instructions, love your neighbor as yourself, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I thought it was supposed to be this great encouragement. I can do all things through Christ. Nothing is impossible with God. I thought it was supposed to be all these cool stories about parting the Red Sea and manna from heaven and David beating Goliath, but here Paul is talking about the devil and evil rulers and authorities and unseen places and mighty powers in this dark world and evil spirits in heavenly places. Is that stuff real? Is that real stuff? For the last few weeks, we've been talking about this word apocalypse. We've been talking about the biblical meaning of that word. And what it really means is like an uncovering of a truth. It means like an illumination of an idea. It means a revelation of something that was previously unseen or that we hadn't thought about or that we didn't understand. And today we're gonna look at what is, I think, an apocalypse for many of us. And that apocalypse is that Paul believed that there were some players in this game other than just God and us, that there are powers at work against us spiritually and supernaturally and socially and culturally and politically and religiously that we have some real enemies in the unseen world and in the heavenly realm and in this world, and that these powers are actively doing the work of Satan to kill and steal and destroy and divide God's kingdom, and they have real, real power and real influence, and Paul calls them rulers, and authorities, or if you've got like a King James, the principalities, a lot of times Paul just calls them the powers. And we don't talk about them very much, but Paul talked about them a lot. You know, Paul wrote this letter, the Ephesians, but he also wrote a letter to the Philippians and the Colossians and the Galatians and the Romans and a whole bunch of other people. And in virtually every letter he writes, he talks a little bit. He at least mentions the powers. Um, In Colossians, he talks about thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. He also talks about the spiritual powers of this world. He talks about the fact that Jesus disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities on the cross. In 1 Corinthians 2, he talks about us being uh, under the power of the rulers of this age. Um, In Galatians, he talks about us being slaves to the spirit of this world. 
in Romans 8. He says, nothing can separate us from God's love, not even demons or the powers of hell. We never talk about this stuff. Paul talks about it all the time. First Thessalonians, he names one of the powers. He says, we tried to come to see you. He's writing this letter to the Thessalonians. We tried to come to see you, but we were prevented by the Satan. You know, Satan's not a name. Did you know that? Satan's not like Kevin, <laughs> Butch, <laughs> Henry. Satan is, it's actually the Satan. It really means the enemy, the opponent, the adversary, the one that's against us. Um, in Ephesians 4.27, he calls him the devil, which really means the slanderer, the, uh, the accuser. First uh, Thessalonians 3, Paul calls him the tempter. And in Romans 16, he says, Jesus will crush the Satan. So Paul has this apocalypse. And he's able to see something that a lot of us don't see, and I think a lot of us don't want to see, and we don't want to believe and that is that we have real, powerful enemies, both human and divine, both spiritual and physical, and both natural and supernatural, and they are actively at work against us. And the one thing that they have in common is their goal to kill and steal and destroy and divide us. And some of them are in the, what he calls the unseen world, or the heavenly realms, the spirits, or you know, the demons, or the Satan himself. And some of them are in this world. They are human powers that are exerting their power, not just spiritually, but socially, and culturally, and politically and even in religion. And so, I mean, wh where are we getting that? Um, in Ephesians, Paul calls them the mighty powers in this dark world. Who's he talking about? He's talking about people in this dark world. In the Old Testament, in 1 Kings and in 1 Samuel, it talks about these powerful kings, these earthly rulers that hated God's people and that opposed God at every turn. And those people are called Satans. They are evil, earthly, human powers. Uh, in the New Testament, Luke 24 uses these exact same words, spiritual, supernatural, demonic, rulers, authorities, and powers. He uses those exact same words to describe the powerful men that crucified Jesus, men who crucified Jesus. Their power wasn't in the unseen world. It wasn't in the heavenly realms. Their power was here in politics and in culture and in religion. So in this apocalypse, we see these powers at work, both in the unseen world and the heavenly realm and also in our world through a lot of different types of beings and through a lot of different systems and through a lot of powerful people. And they are all really, really bad. And I think we get that. But I think sometimes what we forget about is that they're really good at it. They are really good at, at being bad, I think sometimes we kind of underestimate these powers. I mean, we don't even talk about them. And here's Paul, every letter he writes includes something 
about these evil, supernatural, and natural powers that are against us. And I think without this apocalypse, if we're honest, most of us, do we believe we have an enemy? Yeah, right? But we see the enemy as this, like, harmless little guy, right? I think I got a picture of him. There he is. There's our enemy, right? Isn't he cute in his little PJs? And he's, a lot of times he'll have a pitchfork because that's really sharp and that can really hurt. And it's just this little guy sitting on our shoulder and he's, you know, trying to talk us into sin. And some of us have never really thought of the enemy as being more than one being. And we've never thought of the enemy as having any real power. Just that cute little red dude in the red PJs. But in this apocalypse, we see that the enemy is real. And he's smart and powerful. And it's, it's not a he. It is a well-armed, brilliant team. Like a whole company. Not, not little mini red devil you know, interns rulers, he calls them, authorities, demons in the unseen world and in the heavenly realms. And there are real enemies all around us. And all they want to do is kill and steal and destroy and divide God's kingdom and divide God's people. And they have brilliant, powerful humans on the team too, helping to execute these plans. So that image of the little red guy on your shoulder saying like, eat another cookie. I mean, that's, that's cute. Um, and it would be cool if that's what it really was. I mean, that'd be nice if that was our greatest enemy. But the powers are, are way better than that, way more powerful than that, way stronger, way smarter than that. In fact, that verse we started with in Ephesians 6 says that if we're going to defend ourselves, it's going to take God's supernatural armor to fight off the devil's strategies. That's an interesting word to me. Strategies. It's not just some little guy whispering in your ear, you know, hey, say that bad word. Oh, eat that cookie you don't need or something like that. It's, it's, Maybe a better image, a more accurate image of the powers instead of the little red guy is a conference room in the heavenly realm and the unseen world. And the devil is running a meeting of the top like leaders of this huge, powerful, evil company. And it's, these are the big shots, right? Rulers and authorities and, and demons and people and they're thinking of and planning the best ways to kill and steal and destroy every child of God. And they have like a file on every human. And one of those files has your name on it. So let's imagine, if we can, that room. It's spiritual rulers and authorities. It's, it's, it's demons from this unseen world. Maybe it's some powerful humans from this dark world and they're all around this conference tables and their laptops are open and they're you know drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes and they're just planning how are we going to do this man how are we going to do this big evil 
thing. How are we going to kill and steal and destroy and divide God's people? And like one after another, they just open the files. And they're just like brainstorming. If you've been in rooms like that and everybody's like shouting an idea, well, how about this? Well, what if we try this? I got an idea. What if we do this? And they're just throwing out these brilliant, evil ideas. I know. Let's attack the marriages. And that way the families will fall apart. I know. Let's let them get sick or addicted or abused. And then they'll get discouraged and they'll give up on God. Well, what if we get them so busy that they don't have time to worship? Here's one. Let's let them fail. And then they will feel so much shame that they'll hide from God. And if that doesn't work, how about this? Let's give them success. And then they'll get really full of pride and they'll forget all about God. Here's a good one. Let's get them so focused on themselves that they don't care about anybody else. Or how about this? Let's get them so focused on their stuff that they forget about their families. Let's get them so crazy over politics that they worship their candidates or their party or their country instead of Jesus. I know, here's a good one. Let's get them watching porn. And we'll sell them on this idea that it's really harmless, nobody really gets hurt. And then just watch what it does to marriages and then when their brains become infected with these pornographic images, we'll use that to drive prostitution, which will then drive human trafficking, which will destroy the lives of thousands of women and kids. Do you see what that is? That is a really horrible, cruel, evil, brilliant idea. Here's a good one. Let's confuse them about who God is. Let's get people to see God as this supernatural Santa, right, that only exists to answer their prayers and give them what they want, and then when they don't get healed or they don't get rich or they don't get happy, then they'll assume that God doesn't exist. It's, it's diabolical. It's evil. It's genius. And these are not the plans of that cute little guy in the red PJs, man. This, this is a whole huge company of powers. And some we can see and some we can't. And they are powerful. And they are brilliant. Let's get some gossip going. That'll bring down that church. Let's get a bunch of churches to disagree about a bunch of little stuff and they'll forget all about the important stuff. Let's give political power to groups that are anti-Christian. Let's take biblical values out of schools and replace it with teaching that promotes evil and hate and division. See, it's not just individuals that they're after. This is on a large scale, man. This is, this is corporate. This is, they're, they're attacking not, not just the one person on one shoulder. They, they're, they're attacking socially, big scale, politically, religiously. And some of these large scale corporate plans are just brilliant. They're so, they're so devious. Let's change like 
Let's change society's popular definition of a couple of key words, right? How about tolerance? What if we could get people to think that tolerance, which everyone agrees is good, let's just get them to think that tolerance has nothing to do with the old definition, which was loving people in spite of their sinful behaviors. And let's convince people that tolerance means you have to appreciate and applaud sinful behaviors. And if you don't do it, you're not tolerant. That's, that's like genius, right? Let's redefine sex and gender, and we'll just completely trash God's plan for families and for marriage. Let's get people so enamored with celebrities and athletes and politicians that anything they say is considered to be right, no matter how wrong it is. And here, this is a brilliant one, on the big macro scale, right? Let's get people fired up over really good causes and then use their passion to wreak havoc. Like, how about this one? Let's get people fighting against racism. Who's not for that? Right, of course that's a great thing, but then let's twist those good intentions and create a whole new kind of racism and discrimination and division and hate. Oh, here's a good one. Let's get people so worked up over not hating over sexual preferences that we just make everything a sexual preference. Right, let's just, and you know what we'll go with, we'll use the old be true to yourself angle, right? In fact, you know, if we really push this, we could get, we could make it so that it seems brave to go against God's, aren't you brave for, for being yourself? And then we'll get people so far off of God's perfect plan for sex and gender that we will have parents encouraging children to have sex reassignment surgery. And it'll all start out seeming like this high moral stance of tolerance and acceptance. So nobody can stand against it or it'll look like they're evil. Genius. It's, it's genius. These are good plans, man. I'll tell you a good one, COVID, right? Brilliant. Brilliant strategy. There, some demon got a promotion over that, right? Because it actually caused physical suffering and even illness and even death. And like a bonus feature, it caused incredible damage when people were isolated and, and away from each other. And so depression is up and suicides are up and domestic violence is up and drug and alcohol abuse is up and it kept people from going to church and it got people divided over masks and vaccinations to the point that you hear Christians talking about each other like they hate each other. This COVID was brilliant, man. COVID was genius. It was, that was a home run for the powers. And these are just a couple of the schemes, a couple of what Paul called the strategies of the devil and of the powers. And it's, 
I think Paul saw it that way, man. I think he saw this group, man, this evil company. He saw them for what they were. They were evil, and they were brilliant, and they were powerful. That's why he calls them the powers. And I think we tend to not see that. That's what an apocalypse is, right? We're opening our eyes. We're seeing something we couldn't see before. And I think we haven't seen it because we don't want to see it. Because I think it's, I mean, we don't want to personalize evil, right? We don't want to put a face on evil. It's, it's a lot nicer just to say, you know, that's just, like, that's just the way the world works, you know? It's, 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 it's dark out there. And it is dark out there. But Paul believed along with Matthew and Mark and Luke and David and Moses and Solomon and Isaiah and Jeremiah and pretty much every other biblical author, Paul believed that darkness is not an accident, that it all flows from the schemes and strategies of the powers. And I think the apocalypse for a lot of us, is that these powers are real, and, and they're, they're brilliant, and they're powerful, and they exist only to kill and steal and destroy and divide God's kingdom. And they're not cute little cartoon characters on your shoulder. It's, it's demons. And he uses the word rulers. They're, they're powerful. What, is that? what does ruler mean? They're in charge. They're powerful. Authorities. They have authority. And, and men and world systems, and they're, and they're powerful, and they're evil, and they're smart, and they hate you. So, fun talk today, right? <laughs> Did you come to church today to be encouraged? <laughs> well, too bad. Uh, now, there's, there's, there's good news. There's good news, really good news, really good news. And the good news is the gospel. In fact, the word gospel, what does it mean? It means good news, and it's really spelled out well in another one of Paul's letters. This is in Colossians 2. Colossians 12, 14. If you're, how many of you are Christians? This, this is for you, okay? You were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away, but then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. Look at verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. This is like one of the best images of the gospel you'll ever see. Imagine an invoice, right? And it's got every bad thing you ever did, every bad thing you ever said, every bad thing you ever thought, everything that could ever separate you from God, every ugly thing in your life is like spelled out on a statement, right? It's on this invoice and it says, he took it away by nailing it to the cross, can you get that image of all the sin in your life on a long statement? Some of you, it's like multiple pages, right? And he's taking that big thick stack of, thick stack of, and he's nailing it to this is, man, that's good news, right? But if you're a Christian, that is probably not an apocalypse to you, right? You probably already see that Jesus 
has taken your sin and your failure and your shame and your death and, and saved you to new life on the cross. That's not an apocalypse, we already knew that. That's why we accepted it in the first place, right? But there's more good news here. And I think this part for a lot of us is an apocalypse. So, so verse 14 says, he took away of our sin and our failure and our shame by nailing it to the cross. Verse 15 says, in this same way, on the cross, in the same way, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. How did we not see that before? I've read this stuff my whole life. Where was this verse? Is this new? Was it just like added to the Bible? It's an apocalypse. I never saw it before, right? In the same way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So let read the whole thing, right? On the cross, Jesus didn't just give us forgiveness and new life. On the cross, Jesus disarmed the powers and shamed them by his victory over them. So the powers are real and the powers are smart and the powers are powerful. But thanks to the cross, they're also disarmed and shamed and defeated by Christ. And the good news for us is this thing that we keep seeing in this book, and that is we're in Christ. We're in Christ. So Christ defeated the powers, and we are in Christ. This is good news for us, right? Because th- we, like, we're on the winning team, right? I, I was on, I, this was sports in high school, and a lot of times I was like the worst player on a really good team not a bad thing, right? I'm gonna, I was never gonna win on my own, but on those teams, I was good to go, right? Jesus has already defeated the powers. It's not that he's going to. He's already defeated the powers, and we are in him. So are we in a battle? Yeah. Are we fighting a battle we can't win? No. It, it's the exact opposite of that. We're, we're fighting a battle we can't lose. Look at this passage in 1 John. This is 1 John 4, 3, and he's talking about the powers. That's exactly what he's talking about, these smart, deceitful religious leaders that are trying to fool us with false teaching. Here's what he says. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming in the world, and indeed, he's already here. Verse four, but you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. As easy as it is to pretend that the powers don't exist, it's just as easy to feel like overmatched against them. I think, be, I think maybe that leads to it, because right? I keep, I, 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 this stuff just like opened up for me in the last couple of weeks. It's like, Paul has this stuff about the powers in every book he wrote, man. Every book has something about it. No, I'm looking in the Old Testament. Oh, Isaiah's talking about it. Oh, Jeremiah's talking about it. Oh, Ezekiel's talking about it. They're all talking about it. Why aren't we talking about it? Like, why, why is this subject not coming up about this incredible company of evil rulers and authorities and powers and humans that are coming? Why don't we talk about it? And I think the reason we don't talk about it is because we're scared of it. I don't want to talk about that. I just pretend it doesn't exist, right? And I think what, what, what Paul's saying, no, let's see what it is, man. Let's open this thing up and see what it is. Let's see who the enemy is 
And then let's see who we are. Let's see who the enemy is. And let's see the power that we have against the enemy. Look at this prayer. Paul's praying for this. It's Ephesians 1. It's, it's the beginning of this book. And he's praying for them. And he says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is... He, Understand, this is an apocalypse, right? He's praying that they will have a revelation. He's praying, he's not praying that they will have incredible greatness of God's power. They already have that. He's praying that they'll see it. He's praying that they'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power that we already have. He says, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. We're, whether we see it or not, we're at war with the powers. And they have power to be reckoned with but we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So when the powers come against us, you know what, they might be bigger than us, and they might be smarter than us, and they might be more powerful than us, but they are not bigger or smarter or more powerful than Jesus, and this is like, I think, hard for us to get this. We are in Jesus, so don't underestimate the powers. They're real. Know your enemy. They are, they are powerful. In this world, in the unseen world, in the heavenly realms, there are evil powers at work in our world and in your life. And socially, spiritually, supernaturally, politically, it's not a little red devil. They are powerful. But the power in us, because we are in Christ, is greater. And we can stand up to these schemes and strategies and we will not be defeated by these powers. Are the powers real? Yeah. Are they powerful? Yeah. Can they affect our lives? Yeah. Can they make us give up or turn away from God or lose our faith when things are hard? No. Can they take away our joy or our peace or our salvation? No. Because the one we are in and the one who is in us is greater than all the powers in this world and the unseen world and the heavenly realms. You, you don't wanna face them alone, but you're not alone. Philippians 2.13 says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And this is what's cool is that God's empowering us by his spirit. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's cool that God doesn't just like beat down the powers on our behalf. Instead, by his grace, he empowers us to beat them down. He, he, he fights the powers through us as we fight the powers in him. I'll go with that. Uh, that's, that's t-shirt material right there. He, that's, tweet it. He fights the powers through us as we fight the powers in him. I think Paul has had a really weird revelation here, an apocalypse, that everything he's doing, and Paul was doing a lot, right? Everything he's doing in this amazing ongoing war with the powers 
this apocalypse for Paul is that Paul is doing it, but it's not really Paul. It's like, it, I mean, I'm doing it, but it's not really me. It, it's, it's God's grace working through him. And last week we made fun of Paul because of this one passage, but this is what he's trying to describe. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He says, whatever I am now, it's all because God's poured out his special favor, his chorus on me, and not without results, because I've worked harder than any of the other apostles. And so we kind of were making fun of him, right? Always thinking he's working harder than everybody else. But then he says, yet it was not I. It was God working through me by his chorus, by his grace. It's like, I mean, I'm doing the work, but it's not me doing it. It's God's grace working through me. I'm fighting the powers. I'm fighting the powers, but it's not me fighting. I mean, it's me, but it's not me. But it's me, but it's not me. But it's me, right? It's, it's Christ in me, fighting through me. And it's me fighting through him and winning through him because I am in him. It's weird, right? It's me, but it's not me. It's his spirit in me because I'm in Christ. Jesus said this in John 14, 20. He said, I am in you and you are in me. And that is an apocalypse, right? So let's land the plane here. A lot of weird, scary talk today. Here's, here's the bottom line, I guess. We should be aware. We should, we should know our enemy, right? We should be aware. We should not underestimate the powers. They are real, and they are powerful, and they live to kill and steal and destroy and divide us. But don't forget, greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. The powers can mess with us, and they do, huh? They can, they can hurt us, and they can distract us, but they can't defeat us. And more importantly, they can't get between us and God's love, right? They can get between us and our fortunes. They can get between us and good health. They can get between us and whatever we thought we wanted, but they can't get between us and God's love. Here's Romans 8, 38. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, revelation, for an apocalypse, for showing us something that maybe we hadn't looked at before or wanted to see before, been able to see before. Thank you for showing us who the enemy is. And we don't wanna take the enemy lightly, God. So yeah, help us to appreciate what we're up against. But God, I just pray like Paul did that you will just help us understand the incredible greatness of your power in us. God, my prayer is that you will open our eyes, yeah, to what we're up against, 
but to who we are in you and how powerful you are in us. God, we need a healthy respect for the enemy, but God, more than that, we need to have powerful faith in who you are in us and who we are in you. So as we move forward in this, Lord, will you just continually open our eyes, give us an apocalypse. Take this, maybe it's kind of blurry right now, but just make it clear for us. Maybe it's a little dark right now, will you illuminate it for us? Maybe we can't fully see right now, but will you reveal to us who you are in us and who we are in you? In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Hope to see you next week. It won't be as scary. God bless. (laughs) 